The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mini Kimes Show featuring Lenny. Only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks the touchback rule should be changed to make everyone touch his back more. That's Lenny. Loves being pet. I'm Mina Kimes. I used to have strong feelings on the fumble touchback rule, but uh, when it happened on Sunday, I found myself not caring as much as I used to, Dominique. Yeah, that was a great one because you uh, got me upset right off the bat. Because <laughs> it's, I don't know, to me, and it's I, I'm biased completely, uh, understand, except my bias. All the rules are so biased against the defense. We got one little thing, like, hold on to the ball. It ain't that hard. Yeah. If the ball goes into the end zone, it's a touchback in most normal circumstances. I get the risk reward of it, but like Thursday, it happens not, once a year, you'll be all right. I, I mean, I, I have just Jefferson fantasy. So I was like, this rule should be oh, changed. Okay. It's outrageous. <laughs> uh, yeah. I right. mean, if you're a, a Vikings fan or a Jefferson <laughs> fantasy owner, I get it, but everybody else shut up. Uh, we're not here to talk about that. We're not here to talk about Sunday. We're here to talk about Monday as we do every Tuesday. We have two games to talk about. It was a double header. Uh, it's, it wasn't really, it was sort of simultaneous. It was a little bit staggered. Then as always, we will do some winners and woofs. Um, I feel like we should start with the second game, Dominique, which is top of mind. It's there, there's news to discuss. This is probably the best way to get into uh Brown Steelers, which is of course that Nick Chubb, the Brown star running back, the arguably I've made this case, the best running back in the NFL is out for the season. Um, just obviously, first of all, brutal injury for one of my favorite players to watch in the entire league. Uh, very also bad timing for the NFL to put out their, were, uh, their complaint against the NFLPA about running backs uh, faking injuries. Really did not work out for them. Uh, yeah. But for Cleveland, you know, the, the this offense is so built around Nick Chubb. He is the focal point of it. He is the engine. Yes, other backs can come in and run well behind a very good run-blocking offensive line, but the tape and the numbers show that he elevates. He goes above and beyond. Like All those advanced statistics we talk about in terms of rushing yards expectation or probably over-expectation, he's very good as well. I, th- I think the question we have to ask is like whether it's worth it for Cleveland to actually make a big move to replace him. That seems to be... The, the debate, I guess, people are having today. Um, there's not yeah. that many big moves out there other than Jonathan Taylor. I don't yeah, really I mean, see any of their names. Jerome Ford had 100 yards in the game without him. It was largely gained on a 69-yard rush yeah. one play. So uh, those who would say that the running back doesn't matter have ample evidence to suggest that uh, you can get similar production, I, I guess, from anybody because you did it right in that game. Again, it was 69 yards on one play, so that would skew it a bit. However, I think they might be uh, – I'm feeling glass half full today. And I think Not that Cleveland? because of the – well, just in general about their situation, there's two ways to look at it that are a little bit more positive. Obviously, Nick Chubb is great, and I hate to see it happen to him. He's a powerful back, and his value is more than just an average back, particularly to that team. And that's part of the like bright side of it is – they are a team that values the running back position the way that the offense is designed in a league where no one else yeah. values the running back position. So if they are committed to that, then what they would be willing to give up is should be commiserate with what other teams would be willing to accept, namely Jonathan Taylor, uh, to, to address their running back issue if that's what they're looking for. And that's probably an unlikely solution, I would think, because they're probably going to get fleeced for, uh, for that player. But... The other bright side is their offense is built around Nick Chubb in large part because it can be built around Nick Chubb. Uh, yeah, this is really hard to make a bright side. I was thinking that, man, well, you shift it to a more Deshaun-based offense. But as you pointed out to me this offseason, there's no such thing as a problem for Nick Chubb. Uh, you know, like there, you, you can't – if you want to do shotgun more – Nick Chubb runs the ball out of shotgun as effective as anybody. And so there's nothing except for possibly just what you're focusing on on the week going in. If you 
realize that you don't it's kind of like necessity is the mother of invention of invention where it's like oh we don't have nick chubb well we really got to buckle down and figure out what the hell we're doing with this offense you talked about how this the game and jerome ford's performance is kind of a case study for maybe anyone can run you know here i think the steelers defense has some pretty significant issues against the run that also uh without cam hayward that affected that but especially on that that particular one where he just cut back to the outside yeah. i mean like, god I think it was Levi Wallace who they can't tackle outside, but it also could have been the case study for, okay, Deshaun, this is your team. You know, Nick Chubb's out of here. Your defense is playing lights out. You have every opportunity to win this game. And it ended up being, I think a pretty strong showcase for why that's not true. Right. He was horrible. I mean, that, that was the, I mean, that's the second bright, bright side is that that happens in the course of one game. Potentially with that new focus or perspective that things, yeah, this is just, this is just stretching. He well, was but, bad but, last year. He was, he bad, was bad, bad this year. Games. And he's bad yeah. in a way that seems unlikely to re- reverse itself because he's always been a quarterback who takes a lot of sacks, but then he makes up for it with these like magical plays. It's not too mm-hmm. dissimilar from Russell Wilson, different type of quarterback though. I mean, in some ways. And now the magical plays are gone. He's not moving well. He he looks slow. And I mean, some of those throws outside the numbers were, I don't know what, they're just, you know, just totally inaccurate. So that to me, we kind of have to look at all these things together, Dominique, because if we're asking the question of, okay, are you truly all in? Are you going to go out and trade significant draft compensation for a running back? Is the quarterback good enough to be all in? But then you, it's financially impossible to move on from the quarterback for like two years. I mean, the, the caps, it, I don't, I don't, I like, so for me, I am not sure what the best move is as a franchise, because I do think you have a top 10 defense. I think this is a pretty, it's a pretty plug and play offense. You can quibble with some of the play calling decisions, but their hands are tied behind their back by the quarterback play at the moment. I don't really know if it's smart to go all in, but you kind of have to because of the rest of your team. It, it's really a crappy situation. Oh, it's, it reminds it's, me of bef- before we changed the way we pay rookies, where you draft a quarterback at the top of the draft and you're committed to that person essentially for five years. Yeah. You're giving them so much money and your cap is all tied up in whether he is going to be good or not. And you just stuck. Your quarterback, if you drafted the wrong guy, you are just stuck. You're going to be bad for a stretch because they are just as they're more committed than even back in those days. You can't get out, get from out, get from under this contract easily. It's a real surprising place to be in that I'm sure you brought up Russell Wilson that the Broncos probably also are like, hmm, this is They can actually get out of it (laughs) in a couple, like in a a year. It would hurt, but like it's not impossible. Yeah, it's he's not impossible, too, but yeah, he's <laughs> playing better. I get it, but I'm pretty sure the fans are the way. Well, either way, the point is, it's something that you rarely see in this league because yeah. normally you don't pay a guy. You normally have a rookie quarterback or a quarterback that you know is not the answer who you're not paying a whole lot to. You can build up around him. Or lately we've seen with Geno and with um, Danny Dines where it's like a good good deal, but it ain't long-term. You yeah. rarely, since back in those um, rookie days, have you seen a situation you're like, man, our quarterback's bad, and we're committed to him. So it's scary. It's It's got to be scary time for for them uh, in Cleveland. And it's going to – I think the waterfall effect, assuming that he doesn't get better, the waterfall effect of like what happens next in what order is really hard to predict because you got to think Stefanski will lose his job just someone's going to get the axe because of this. I guess the GM. I mean, I, I How personally. Though? Yeah. I mean, like, well, I feel the same way about them and the Chargers, where it's like, I got you players. Like, this ain't on me. He, <laughs> Their team he, is. He signed to Sean Watts. I'm sorry. The yeah, GM, Andrew Barry, does not get to be example. I, I take it back. I take it back. I take it all the way back. You're right. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Deshaun Watson is the side. one who can, so, who can. No, I mean, maybe... I, I guess my defense of, of Andrew Barry is uh, the Deshaun Watson thing is not a, it's not a GM decision would be my assumption, but sure, that's fair. He did 
What? Well, you I, think I, that- I, I really expect uh, some leaked stories to that effect within about two weeks. Oh, oh Andrew yeah. Barry tried to fight back against the Haslips. <laughs> that's a smart move. Smart this, move. That's, that's leak what's those. next. Yeah, uh, that's a fair point. I guess the argument I was making was this roster is championship worthy. Outside, like, uh, yeah. And yeah, and uh, the the quibbles you could have with the Sean Watson uh, signing is about Deshaun Watson's uh, integrity and off the field behavior. Like no one was like any of the other decisions that they've made to build this roster. Like none of it seemed like it didn't make sense. And so it's fair to be critical for that reason. But I, I, I feel like the, the GM has built a roster that's that's good enough to win. Yeah, outside of the single most important decision you can make in building a professional football but team. My, okay, never mind. I, 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 I refuse to be in the position where I'm defending the Deshaun Watson signing. So, yes, you win. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think, well, the other, the, the other piece, though, that I did want to bring up is I do wonder if at some point they, like, there will actually be a push inside the building or whatever to, to start the DTR, the rookie that I don't, you know, they're, that's yeah. the only, that's the only other hand that they have to play. He looked really good in the preseason. I don't know, man, this is, it's a brutal, it, it's yeah, that's, that's all I have to say about that. That defense, they were cutting to miles Garrett at the end of the game, looking just like depressed. That's, those are the other stories that are going to come soon. <laughs> defense he deserves like. to be depressed. He doesn't uh, enter the, the conversation with some of the best defenders in football very often in part, in large part because this team is never good because he is up there in that echelon, I feel like. I think it was Mike Clay who posted that the defense has scored more touchdowns. I don't have this right, but it's something absurd. The, the, the uh, offense has given up more defensive touchdowns. The, I don't have it in front of me. I should have, sorry, looked it up. Anyways, it's bad. The defense is really good. The offense is really bad. <laughs> Um, we should talk about the other side of the ball. Uh, very good defensive performance by the Steelers. Their pass rush is predictably incredible. Um, still have some concerns about the run defense, but obviously the Browns are always a tough hand in that regard without Cam Hayward. But, you know, I, the, the pass rush aspect of it, you, the some of it is a lot of it is on Watson, who was sacked six times, holds on to the football too long. But I, the, they are truly one of the more dominant units in the league, obviously Watt and Highsmith who had big days, but you know, just the depth behind them. I think it was Nick Herbig who got face masked for the second time. I should have watched it. Uh, the interior pass rush looks really good to me. Ogan Joby, uh, the tight end play looks better than I expected. It's a very good defense question. Of course, is the offense. Uh, do you think it's, I, I, do I have to take an L on picket now? My picket preseason take, or do you think I can give it a no. little bit of time? No, you can give it some time. The defensive that defenses that they play were really good. You can give it some time. They had yes. the 49ers and they had the Browns. These are really good defenses. You can give it some time. So that's the angle to um preserve your dignity for a couple more weeks until the inevitable inevitable seems like it's going to happen. The O-line is still an issue. They can't run the ball and they're down to uh one top-level receiver uh and Pickett is not making a lot of good decisions. It's the decisions that are killing me because, look, I understand why Steelers fans do not like their offensive coordinator. He does a lot of mind-boggling things. Though, to your, I think you made this point. He's not running the ball that much on early downs. Though when they yeah. do, their success rate is an insane 16.7% on first or second and long when they run the ball, which is outrageously bad. It's worse than the NFL. But watching Pickett, it's like, I feel like he's regressed to, I, I know I said this, uh, I think last week, but like he, he, he looks as bad as he did when he came in halfway through the season. And then he got better as the season went on, but it's, you know, like he, mentally it feels like he's not reading defense as well. He's not seeing mismatches when he has, there were so many times in this game where I was just pointing like to George Pickens, and, and I, you know, who was on like a backup or a, a, the second or third quarter and be like, throw it to him, throw it to him, throw it to him. I don't care. Throw it to him, throw it to him. Uh, he's inaccurate on a lot of throws, especially over the middle of the field. All of these things can get better. I think your point about like this is two top 10 defenses is really important. It's just kind of a bummer to see that momentum reverse after it looked to yeah. be headed in a different direction. Yeah. Two top 10 defenses. Um, and He's not getting the O-line support. He's not getting the running support. Those are problems. But I do recognize something in him that I see in Justin Fields, and I see in young quarterbacks, and 
uh, not to analogize it to playing corner because it's entirely different, but I moved to safety for a couple of games when I was in Denver. Uh, and I was trying to do everything exactly the way the coach coaches it, which I do believe slows you down mm. and it makes things difficult yeah. where it's like, this is your read. If you think about, um, I saw you talking about, was it Stone's interception uh, for the Ravens? Where he, I know that coverage and I know what his responsibilities are. And that ain't it. But that the reason why he made that play was because he's a smart player and he recognized what was happening. He was reading the quarterback and that's what great players do. And Ray Lewis is, or not Ray Lewis, Ed Reed is always the example that people use. And it's, Ed is not freestyling. Ed has, mm. it, or was advanced enough to the point where he knew what he was supposed to do, knew what that told the quarterback, and then did something different based on that to put him in an optimal situation. You don't need Kenny Pickett to get there, but you do want to get to the point where he is not reading the whole time. And that's why I feel like Justin Fields holds onto the ball the whole time, and that's why some of Kenny Pickett's throws are late, some of his decisions are bad, because he's like, hike, all right, now what do I do? Now what do I do? <laughs> like the way that you were looking at the screen, like, hey, there's a little guy on Pickett's. Let me throw to him. The coach would say, no, read the defense, find the opportunity, do your half field read, watch the flat defender. Sometimes you just got to find your spot and let that thing fly, throw it in a good spot and hope your guy can make a play. I, I think that's a really good point, especially because so much of his um, good play last year was outside of structure, right? He was playing really, it was, it was him kind of playing yeah. a little playground. And I, I think yeah, there's clearly been a concerted effort to come in this year, win from the pocket, but he's not there yet. And he also is playing two very good defenses. And I think um, the results are what they are. So hopefully he can turn things around. I'm, I, I won't take the L just yet. Yeah, don't, 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 don't. <laughs> but I'm, stay, I, stave I'm, a little bit. Stave it uh, off. I might have to soon. Um, okay. God, what an ugly night of football. Caroline, <laughs> <laughs> New Orleans. There was a point. I had it on um, the YouTube multi-view where you got the two games next to each other. And there was, I think it was when that crazy Browns, the fumble happened where there was like hot potato. And then something awful was happening in the state. I can't remember. I think it was the Panthers were on offense. And I was just watching this like... Yeah. I, I These defenses are all pretty good. But like, oh yeah. my God, this is not... Not the it's display hard. of quarterbacking we would have hoped for. It's it's hard to, um, as a former defensive player, like I, when people complain about the quality of the game, it's often because the quality of the defense is so good. <laughs> that was not all the case in this game. There was some bad stuff too, like sloppy yeah. uh, mistakes. So the good defense, I think we can all appreciate good defense in a tough fought game. We want some offensive plays, but just sloppy slop on the field uh, is not fun. Okay. Yeah, so let's start with let's start with the Saints side of things. Their offense um, was similar to last week. Derek Carr, tail of two halves, I guess. I mean, he 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 didn't look good, man. Like I, <laughs> I, I, it wasn't all on him. There were definitely points where I thought the offensive line was overwhelmed, which was kind of the case week one, two. But there were also points where, um he was kept clean and was just missing throws, dirting them appeared to be pretty averse to pressure. Um, again, you know, and I think what's, a sh what's concerning about it, it wasn't horrible. Again, again, like of the four quarterbacks, he might've, he might've played the best, but um, the receivers are so good in this offense. And then you saw that in the second half, obviously with Olave and Shahid and, and I, dude, Michael Thomas looks great. By the way, I think that's worth acknowledging too. He yeah. he looks healthy and made some really good plays. So the Saints' offense, like the the skill group, is as advertised. It's just that obviously, you know, Kamara's not in, and that certainly impacts what they can do on the ground. But the quarterback is, to me, right now, not playing to the level of the rest of the offense. Yeah, I'm sorry. I wasn't looking at you. I was looking down at the screen, watching that interception that um, <laughs> caught through. And Dude, that was. It was just, that's one of the worst. Uh, I mean, I was yeah. just. There's no excuse for that. 
I mean, he's staring down the receiver, and the opposite, he doesn't see the opposite side safety. He's just staring and just throws it to a spot that looks like an incredibly easy interception. It, 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 yeah, I don't know. He's There's not much to say about him. Like Teams don't let a quarterback like that or don't let a quarterback go if uh, he is great. <laughs> Normally, it's not how it works out. So I think the good's going to come with the bad when you have Derek Carr. You're right. They're surrounded. Olave's catch is... Like, to have that following Garrett Wilson's catch last week, it's just not fair. Things are getting harder for DBs in this league. I'm sorry. I'm happy I'm here with you. Um, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. The skill players on that team are great. The defense uh, is incredibly talented in uh, experience, I think. Is... You, let me ask you about the defense, though, because they do that, the secondary is great. Lattimore is still amazing. Um, the linebackers look really good. Warner back is helpful. How much, though, do you think the pass the, the pass rush looks much better than it did last season, particularly the four-man rush? Um, how much do you think, though, that is that they played the Titans and Carolina Panthers offensive lines weeks one and two? I think that is most of it. Uh, I mean, and, and like the sack that they got was uh, – or, or the fumble, sack fumble was Bryce Young holding onto the ball too long. But um, we'll see. Things will change. Things will be different when they play uh, stiffer competition. Okay. Well, well, here's an exercise I would like you to do. Please pull up the Saints' schedule on your phone okay. right now. Oh, oh yeah, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> they have the worst. And I want you to find 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 me the challenge. Find me the oh, challenge gosh. for this defense. Because uh, I think that afterwards I was like, ah, oh, man, you know. But I mean, granted, next week you got the Packers' offensive line, which is harder. But I but I want you to yeah. go through all these offenses they're playing. Find me the three best offenses that they're playing or, or like, um, all right. So we got the Packers next week. I think the Packers are good. Their offensive line is good. I think, yeah, their offensive, offensive line is good. Is good. I offensive think, line um, is good. I think Jordan love is, I mean, he wasn't perfect. He had a rough, uh, late game situation, but he, I think Jordan love is good. Uh, but yeah, that I'm reaching if that's the best example. So we got Jaguars, October 19th, which, We'll see. Uh, and then we got the Colts. So Anthony Richardson looks pretty good. Uh, we got Justin Jefferson in November. And then, uh, that's about it. That's about it. The Lions. the Lions. Got the Lions. The Lions. And, and the Falcons yeah. are a load in their own weird, weird yeah. way. <laughs> they're, they're a challenge. That's but it, the Falcons, the That Falcons, is it. You're not going to have to do a four-man rush uh, against a bunch of dropbacks from the Falcons. They ain't trying to do that. They're trying to hide Desmond. They're doing play action. The Saints and... could win 12 games yeah. easily. <laughs> yeah. Good for them. Taysom Hill's still out there. Taysom Hillen, which always surprises me. He is. I, I, I've said this. I know we get our jokes off. That man is efficient running the football. <laughs> it just is. It's a good play. A Taysom Hill run is usually a good play. Um. Okay. Yeah. Uh. So we'll see about the Saints. I, yeah. I think like a lot of talent on defense. You saw that. I think that the, you know, they will continue to be uh, very good on that side of the ball. And obviously the competition matters offensive wise, skill players, exceptional. Derek Carr needs to play better. Rice young also needs to better play better. Um, this is really rough. I, I think it's funny coming off the fields conversation where I'm starting to, I don't want to, I want you to tell me if you feel like it's premature to worry about whether his, the lack of talent around him is going to impede his development because not premature. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you should be worried. I was not trying to make excuses for him, but I tweeted this. Nobody is open in that offense. Now, he is holding on to the football too long. He is way more inaccurate than I've ever seen him. But it feels like when you watch him, it feels like a rough transition. Um, and I just worry about whether it's going to stunt him. Adam Thielen got targeted nine times. He was his number one target. Nine times, seven receptions. No disrespect to Adam Thielen. But Adam, Adam Thielen knows that he is a diminished Adam Thielen. <laughs> and that is, uh, that's his best option right now. Hayden Hurst and Adam Thielen. Those are, those are his supports. And then an offensive line that kind of was a laughing stock this preseason. So 
Yeah, I mean, the, the Justin Fields comp is a fair one. I, I get why you hold on to the ball for a long time if you're waiting for Adam Thielen to shake loose. It's a tough spot. Tough spot. I, and I actually argued that this was going to be a good situation for him because they right. traded up to get him and they ran the ball so effectively last year had me thinking this O-line was good. Nah, they're not. I there was, was believing in all those coaches they got. Nah. The, the final drive, it was, I think it was like a sale to Mingo or something. Mm-hmm. And it was just, he looks off the corner, throws with anticipation before Mingo gets out of his break, perfectly placed. And I was like, God, you see the glimpses of it, but it's just few and far. I mean, the pressure is really good. That I think actually... That's probably, it does seem like his size is a factor and the pressure is definitely getting to him, particularly the interior pressure causes some problems. He is missing some throws over the middle of the field. That's something to monitor. But uh, the, the yeah, it's just, it's not a good situation from a talent perspective on offense. But Frank Luvu is amazing. Let's just give there one little go. shout out to <laughs> the all underrated team superstar, the avatar of the all underrated defense. Frank Luvu, nine tackles, two sacks, three TFLs, two quarterback hits. Best player on the field. <laughs> mm, that is tough. That is like saying somebody has a good personality. They know what that means. They know exactly what it means. Nothing else is good. And Frankie, last week, I thought about you when – when uh, Bijan got his his mitts on Frankie in the open field, Bijan is like playing a different oh. sport right now. Oh. He's like he. I flash back to my childhood. Like those are those are the running backs that yes. was what we were looking for. That was it. It it, it it is like watching someone from a different time. The everybody keeps with the Packers. The anyways, whatever. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Falcons in, in my weekly. Um, my game preview episode. So don't worry, Falcons fans. We will get to Bijan Robinson. Mm. He's not one of our winners today. So stay tuned. He was mine out. last week, wasn't he? I think. I think he was. I don't know. Maybe. He who should knows? be every week. Honorary yeah. all-time winner. Okay, we come back and find out who they are. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code OMAHAFULL, and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, keep those winnings. But if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and older only, offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wagers only. Must register with an eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling one 800 Gambler, it's 1-800-426-2537, or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. All right, we are back with winners and woofs. You've got a fun winner this week, a team I haven't really talked about much yet. The Washington Commanders and Eric Bieniemy. Yay! 2-0! 2-0! Uh, and an impressive 2-0 in some ways. Okay, so beating the Cardinals, struggling to beat the Cardinals, didn't look great. Looks a little better now that another team struggled against them, but it didn't look great. Yeah, the other team is also not very good, being the Giants. <laughs> However, the numbers support that Eric Bieniemy has brought something to this team that's valuable offensively. Like, they're better every way the advanced, met- met- advanced metrics can show offensively they're protecting the quarterback better they're running the ball better they're more effectively passing the ball i looked at last year's epa their epa over the season last year um broken down into a bunch of different ways but the one that jumped out to me the most was 
They were negative one EPA for total passing per game last year. So that is to say that by throwing the ball, they cost their team a point <laughs> just by every time they threw the ball <laughs> through the course of a single game. The more they threw the ball, the worse off they were. That is hilarious and sad. And now they're plus 3.6 passing the ball and they're just good at everything. They're efficient. They're effective. They bounced back in the second half uh, last week. They gave up that Hail Mary, which was disappointing and embarrassing, but it's nice to see. Uh, Eric Bieniemy specifically because of all the reasons uh, that he's been passed over. Nice to see him moving from underneath the Kansas City umbrella and having what looks like a more impactful offense than even the Chiefs have at this point. Yeah, the, the, there's definitely been flashes to of the offense that feels sustainable. I mean, it's it's you know competition matters. First half was bad. Howell, I think. It kind of looks like what we expected, holds on to football a little bit too long, but has a really good arm. But you kind of feel watching him like he has command of the offense and also answers available to him. And I think that's where um, the enemy sort of of it all becomes relevant because a lot of their explosives are pretty heavily schemed up. And, you know, I think about this week in the second half um, against Denver the uh, the huge completion to Jahan Dotson where he's coming across in motion, runs the deep out. That's just a great play call, the touchdown to McLaurin. Um, and then but beyond that too, like uh, it's the little things. Like one of the things I really hope for from the enemy coming from Kansas City uh, was that the screen game would come with him, which is something that Kansas City is very, very good at, sort of an extension of the run game in some ways. And uh, <laughs> this is way too early sample small sample size i don't care i'm going to do it anyways so far they've run 10 screens which is a lot uh compared to last year and they've averaged 0.38 epa per play on them last year carson wentz on screens had negative point, 0.32 which is insane and heineke had negative 0.21 Again, yeah. it's it's a small sample size. I think one one there was a big, huge Robinson one, a huge Gibson one. But when you watch them, Dominique, you see the execution, like you know the um, from the offensive linemen, from Howell, from the back. They're clearly, and they're also called at the right time. You know, the timing of them is pretty good. So it, it's a good start. I, like I, I'd be pretty optimistic about this. I don't think it's always going to look. Yeah. They're going to play harder defenses. They got the Bills actually coming up. So I'm going to break that. that. That's definitely one of the games I'm going to talk about, but the early returns are pretty positive, especially by the way, as we look around the league and see all these young quarterbacks who are struggling. Yeah. Uh, now, granted Howell's in a much better situation than I think it shows. Right. And I mean, uh, of course we can temper our expectations or temper our enthusiasm for the Cowboys defense because they play two offense yeah. or two teams that are not that good. We can also temper our excitement for this situation and, and the commanders. However, we don't need to. We can appreciate that what they've done so far has been impressive. And I use EPA also. And you're right. It's a small sample size, but it's the sample size we got. And so if we're going to use if we're going <laughs> to use it, good. it looks yeah, and, yeah, and also, yeah, the, it passed the eye test also. So, yeah, I'm impressed and excited for them. I just decided when I said it to look up the the Chiefs total EPA offensively. Negative one point seven two right now per game. So Eric Commander, B and Commanders are better than the Chiefs. <laughs> yep. Eric B and me is the key, baby. Shout out Eric. I mean, the skill players are really good. Yeah, they are. Like Lauren and Dotson are fantastic. Samuel. Uh, who they're, they're yeah. using as the motion man to manipulate defenses as, we, as one would expect. The backs look good too. I mean, yeah. I, it's a good Robinson, group. Yeah. When I, we know, um, yeah, when we did our three part podcast with Bill and we did all these projections uh, or we did uh, our like spiciest takes, you had a lot of great takes. We won't get specific about any of them, but one of mine was Sam Howe. Feeling good about Sam Howe and Eric being and me, we're going to be balling. Feeling really good about that right now. Keep it up, guys. He can sling it. He, 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 he my question about him remains. I'm, 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 I have tempered enthusiasm. I think it takes seven sacks, whatever. I've, I've, I've been, I can't remember. I think, I guess it was probably when I did the NFC Youth preview, you know, going back and watching the week 18 game, which was his one start, he looked good. Uh, and so I, you know, I think. 
um, I feel I feel good about directionally about where it's going, and I feel and that feeling is augmented by the belief and the play caller and then the talent around him. Unlike some of these other some of these other guys, nothing like some good old confirmation bias. I love it. Sam Howell three and zero. I told okay. you it was going to be good, and he's good, so I'm right. Let's do your woof first because I I, I we're talking about this on NFL Live today, and I'm still like trying to wrap my mind around it a little bit. Okay, um, my woof is the Chargers. And um, I, I touched on it a little bit earlier because they have corners who are talented and corners that you would want. No, I mean, this is they went and got J.C. Jackson. He was with the, um, with the Patriots and was really good there. Asante Samuel, like they have the players. They have uh, pass rushers. They have a tackle that's great. They have, no, I'm saying from a, a construct, your faces are making me feel really uh well, uh, the reason like I'm making faces. My specific take. The, the you, okay, let me let me hear you finish. Let me let you finish your tape. No, I'm saying take the the take is they have the talent to get things done. That's the general take. They have talent at the positions that you need talent in to get things done. They keep losing. They played against the Dolphins last week, a team that we all respect and think are really good, and they blew it at the end of that game. I think it's all going to fall on. Um, What's the coach name? Brandon. What's his name? Staley. Staley yeah. yeah, Staley. It's all going to fall on him, and he deserves a lot of it. They, he's the head coach on the team that blew the the playoffs last year and played. Uh, got Mike Williams hurt in a irrelevant game before the playoffs even started. So yeah, he deserves the blame. But I think the wolf is for the Chargers, not so much for how they are playing on the field because it's not great, but for how far they are from what I think the expectations are yeah. for a team like this with a quarterback as good or as talented as the one that they have under a rookie contract. It just, it just feels sad and wolf worthy that they're starting the year. zero and two. I think where I struggle with this team and kind of getting my arms around their failure is it feels like there's kind of a few things happening at the same time. I, I think the coach deserves a lot of the criticism. I mean, when you, when you like, so they blew a lead again, right against Tennessee and, Watching it, there was there was a few things that happened <laughs> a lot. One is you know the defense just having all these dumb penalties that falls on the coach ultimately. That's typically what we do. I thought he made some bad decisions. I mean the, the aggression is appears to be gone. By the way, with the fourth down stuff, but um, a lot of people have pointed this out um, on the uh, the uh, the game winning drive. The Titans come out third and one. Derrick Henry's winded. He's not on the field. Staley takes he he subs his defense in instead of playing them without Henry. You know things like that, which kind of reminded me of um, the Raiders overtime the overtime loss from a couple of years ago. I guess it was right. It was two years ago when they blew that, um, and it was like, did he overthink it? Like, what's going on here? Um, so, you know, those are things where you, you point to the coach and that, but then, the, the, then I think when I watch the defense, I, I, I question whether they're as talented as I thought they were. I mean, the pass rush is just not good enough. I, I hate to say it. Jo- Joey Bosa appears to be in the down decline of his career. I thought the rookie that they drafted, whose name escapes me now, Tuli, played pretty well in this, but you talked about the coverage, like, I mean, just, so this defense has versus the deep ball. So 20 air yards or more 32nd EPA per play this year, but you know, you played Dolphins week one, 29th over the last two years. Um, at a certain point that does fall on the coach and watch what's so crazy about this Titans game. Dominique is like, you can write it off in week one against Miami, but like Tennessee, dude. And um, I, uh, Daniel Popper does a really good job covering this team for the athletic. And he pointed out that, so this, the Chargers uh, run a fair amount of cover six. Both of the deep completions were versus cover six versus the corner in quarters. Both were just technique. Like, and they were different. One was, I think, Jackson, and one was Samuel Jr., I don't remember. But, like, they don't look prepared? Yeah. I, I, I don't know what to say. Like, I, I, it's not like you're looking at it and saying, oh, that was a busted coverage. 
you know, they were both just go balls versus corners on yeah. the outside who got beat. I, maybe you can speak to this, but I'm, I, I'm watching that. I'm thinking like how, who, when you're trying to like play the blame game with this team, um, it feels hard. like there's a lot of, there's a lot of places where it Which goes is around. why it always ends up on the, on the head coach. Right. Which is like, if, if there's one area we can point to the offensive line or we can point to this or that, but when there's a bunch of areas that, keep falling apart, you point to the head coach because he's the centerpiece of all this. Your point about technique is incredibly astute. I will tell you that most NFL teams, even most college teams, don't have a cornerback's coach. You have a defensive back's coach. I'm not sure if if the Chargers have a cornerback's coach or not. I know the Lions have a specific cornerback coach. So you normally have a defensive back's coach, which means that there is no one there to focus on technique. The best year I had in my career was in Atlanta, and it was because we had uh, Emmett Thomas, a dedicated – he was a Hall of Fame cornerback. He was a dedicated cornerback's coach. He did not talk to us much about scheme, talked to us about technique, and he would go through the technique practice with us every single day with the same amount of intensity as the coordinator would go through the game plan. And it carried over to the field. And generally, it's not something that you focus on because you're watching film. You're thinking about if I see this, then what? You're thinking about tendencies. You're not like, man, make sure I get my feet and hands in the right place and anticipate all the stuff and play the technique. You just don't coach technique of that position. So it's something that can fall through the cracks if you don't have a veteran on the team or somebody who's going to force you to focus on it or you don't have that discipline in yourself. And it's not even a judgment of the players as much as it is on the coaches. Like it's kind of your responsibility to be on top of those sorts of things. So yeah, I, I don't know what their situation is right there. I only know that the, the Lions have one because it's Dre Bly and I used to play with them. So I kind of keep up with guys I used to play with. The, the, uh, cornerbacks use like rotating them, like, you know, with Jackson, like it looks like he's kind of looking for answers there in the secondary and Davis, Michael Davis complained about being rotated after the game, which feels like, Oh, this isn't good. If you're, you know, he said something about like uh, when you're in and out, you can't really get a rhythm. Yeah, it's like oh, That's dude, tough. like this is not headed in the right direction. Um, the Ravens have a dedicated kickers coach. I don't know that any other team has that either. But yeah, they have a coach that just coaches kicking. Uh, well, it's working out for them. Um, yeah. Okay, speaking of the Ravens, they beat the Bengals, who are my wolf. Um, Talked a lot about the Ravens. Well, I guess I haven't talked about the Ravens defense too much on this. It was an awesome, awesome game from them for, you know, I mean, number of reasons. But the the woof for the Bengals, obviously starting 0-2 is very bad. It's really like, I, I thought in the second, it kind of, it looked like Joe Burrow was kind of clicking a little bit as the game went on, started connecting with Higgins, attacking the middle of the field. And at the very end, he gets hurt again. He's limping onto the field afterwards. I don't know what the latest is, but it's reported that he re-aggravated. I don't know if I'm, I don't want to get the verbiage wrong because I know it's very specific. The calf, this is bad. So (laughs) this is really bad because from what I understand um, with these calf injuries, that is the biggest issue with them is they can just continue to linger over the course of the season um, to the point where like he might miss some games. I remember at the beginning of the season when Jamar Chase was like, he shouldn't play until the playoffs. I was like, oh, maybe Jamar Chase was onto something with that. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's bad because it so obviously affects his play. Now that's not to take credit away from what the Ravens did because they Ravens have had success using similar tactics in terms of disguise against a healthy Joe Burrow. And I think, um, you know, they were beating him from, you know, he was in the pocket and stuff. But, you know, he, he's not scrambling. He's not comfortable extending. He's not comfortable climbing the pocket. It's very obvious. And if it doesn't get better, uh, this is a pretty limited. I mean, it, it really limits him as a quarterback. Yeah, climbing the pocket and that, that in-pocket agility is something that I think we point to for Joe Burrow and say that's something that he does exceptionally well, like above and beyond most NFL quarterbacks. Like his arm isn't like – uh, Justin Herbert's arm and he doesn't like he's a good runner and scrambler but he doesn't quite run like our best runners in football the one thing that he does when you look at him and say wow that's as good as or better than anyone else in the league is move around within the pocket and you really need your calf for that, <laughs> especially when you're a quarterback who's steady straight up you got to be able to push off to step up or push off to move back and just 
have quick, sharp movements. It's it feels like this is not going to get well anytime soon. And he took a long time off for it to get well uh, before the season started. And it only took two games for something to happen to it again. So it's a real scary prospect for them the rest of the season, feeling like there's never going to be a long enough stretch for it to get well, you know, or uh, can they stay above water long enough if he needs that time? Or is he going to find a way? I mean, he'll, he'll be better this week because he'll have the week to rest. And uh, I don't know if they shot it up this week or not, but they will most certainly hit him with some cortisone this week, which will make it not hurt nearly as badly. But we'll see. It's just it's a bummer for a team that had Super Bowl aspirations. We started off this podcast talking about the Browns and how they so clearly try to hide Deshaun Watson in that offense and whether they can continue doing so without Nick Chubb. The Bengals are the opposite. That thing yeah. is built around the quarterback, right? Like the the changing um, the offense com- started taking off when Zach Taylor realized, oh, we just got to put Joe Burrow in the gun and let him operate, right? They used to be that under center wide zone uh, more play action. They use more play action. And so the whole thing goes based on him being back there and executing. And, and like, it's, it's not a plug and play situation. It's by the way, it's an offense where if you take him out, I, I it's probably going to look really bad. <laughs> um, Jake Browning is their backup quarterback. He didn't, you know, from UW has not looked great in the preseason. Um, and it's, I, I guess the one thing going for them is I think the AFC maybe looks a little bit less demonic than we had thought. Um, yeah. Maybe, but still, given what their aspirations were, yeah, yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, the best case scenario is they, I mean, right now, the most realistic good thing is like we can get into the wild card and see what happens. Because if Joe Burrow's not healthy, you're either going to struggle and be below average or him being below, below his level, which is going to make you lose more games than you expect, or you sit him out for long enough to get fully healthy, in which case you're definitely going to lose a lot more games than you would expect. I feel like this whole podcast has had kind of a negative vibe because uh, I feel like because the first four games were not yeah. – or first four teams, <laughs> I, I yeah. mean, I, you know, the Saints, it was kind of like negging them. Oh, your schedule's so bad, it doesn't matter. Uh, the Browns and the Steelers' offenses. I mean, the defenses are really good. I that's the thing about football is when a team has a good defense and a bad offense, it comes across as negative, even though it's literally half of the game. So we're gonna end on a positive note. My winner. I, I'm not calling this an apology because I, I was doubtful, I was skeptical, and it's only two games in. Mike McCarthy, though. Yeah. What a start. Um, Big Mike. I want to start with the numbers here because, um, you know, a lot of focus on the Cowboys defense, rightfully so. Against the Jets, uh, Dak Prescott had a QBR of 87 and the total offense put up 0.07 EPA per play, which doesn't sound wild until you go back and you look at the Jets defense's game log. That's a higher QBR than any game last year higher epa per play than all but two games pretty impressive offensive performance uh, i would describe it as extremely controlled and, and the quarterback obviously deserves a ton of credit. i thought he played fantastic just ball was coming out quick making the right reads but i also thought while i was watching man mike mccarthy just has a read on this defense like it felt like um he did a fantastic job getting the right matchups for C.D. Lamb. He had a, such a good feel for the Jets' zone defense. They play a lot of cover three in quarters, and it felt like um, the Cowboys just had their number, frankly, in terms of dialing up the right beaters versus those looks. And it was like opportunistic in the right moment because he was mostly very shallow depth of target, a lot of throws to the flats, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, at the right moment, he had the right feel for, okay, like, you know, we're going to attack down outside, which teams don't really do against the Jets in this particular situation. Backed up the goal line. Sure, slant flat. It's going to, you know, I'm going to use the tight end motion, clear. You guys are thinking run here. We get a one-on-one for CD. And after the game, Dominique, Dak spoke about the impact of the play calling and the coach, which is something he's talked about this summer, how he has felt like 
I think he called it the Texas Coast offense. Yeah, but he, he felt did. like Mike McCarthy was doing a really good job of kind of getting him to align his drops, his footwork with what the receivers were doing. And th this game was like such a great showcase for that. Like, bam, bam, everything on time, everything like synced up. So Dak played really well, but I, I feel like McCarthy, um, you know, uh, maybe I, I, I was definitely, it's, it's week two, but pretty impressive against, you know, the Giants defense doesn't suck either, but really, really good defense in week two. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say anything bad about them. They've done everything really well, and I think it's fair to give Mike McCarthy some love because every time he gets close to a mistake, we pile on him. So he's done well so far, and uh, they have a tough matchup with the Arizona Cardinals coming up next Ooh, week. Oh, gosh. Uh, Cowboys, you ready to get reckless about it? Oh, I've been reckless. You've been reckless? I, I've been reckless. I called them to get to the Super Bowl before the season started. I haven't called them to win it yet. That might be too reckless for me right now. But, yeah, I I um, am very happy with what they're doing so far because they're making me look right. So they're, there's going to come a time this season when they don't play so well because it happens for everyone. I'm not looking forward to that. By the way, again, I think this, like, got lost. They did all this without Brandon Cooks, too. Yeah, like the whole premise was like, oh, the spacing of this offense, they need premise, meaning things I've said. Oh, they needed Brandon Cooks to give CD Lamb space and to operate. Nah, this one that was, they were using Tolbert. Like they, it was, again, really just the, the, I thought that when you were watching the passing attack, everything looked really well spaced. Like they, Lamb is amazing and his connection. I mean, some of those throws were tight window throws, and him and Prescott have a truly, I think, like something really special in terms of their their uh, just being on the same page this year. Uh, but the whole passing attack looks really, really good against. I mean, like what a contrast with the Bills Week One too. An offense that I think we all thought I thought would certainly be a top three, and uh, they look like against the Raiders, whatever. But like. Uh, just the Cowboys passing attack looks so much better against this defense. And, you know, week one's tough and that was a weird game and with Buffalo, but yeah, I, right now Dallas looks like a top five offense and a top five defense, which, you know, a little bit better than the Steelers. Not that anybody would have thought that about the Steelers, but anyway, All right, the, um, moving on from Kellen Moore, I thought was a mistake. Clearly, yeah. up until now, I was wrong. Are we? We're, is this old person bias working against us? Is this going for the hot young thing? And... Yeah, I think that's what it is because, like, we should be, or at least I should be, more on the Mike McCarthy train. Like, I'm a former player. It's like let's what play complimentary you... football. Well, Kellen Moore's was... like let's score as many points as possible. But Mike McCarthy, that's the other thing. Like, he was a really good play call for a really long time. It's just, I think it, it was really a recency thing with how things ended with Rodgers and Green Bay. Yeah. Like, forget yeah. how good they were together. Anyways, I'm on fraud watch. <laughs> 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 All right. Dominique Foxworth, check out his podcast, of course, wherever you get your podcast, Dominique Foxworth Show. Uh, and we will be back next Tuesday uh, talk about, uh, actually, I think the Bengals are playing on Monday night, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Ooh, I... Ooh.